Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, that sounded oh, good. Listen to that. Put that back there. Let's hear Do it that. again. Right there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't hear it because I don't have my... Is it like a snap, snap crackle pop? Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay. yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Winemakers. I'm John Myers. Sitting here with my really good friends, Bart Hansen and Brian Casey. Just pouring a beautiful 2017 Pet Nat. And from Guthrie, we have uh, Blair Guthrie from Guthrie Family Wines. Welcome, man. What a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Super excited to be on. I've listened to a a few uh, episodes. (laughs) Yeah, we always like to know which episodes you hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you sometimes uh, I have embarrassed myself on this podcast before, so I'll try not That's to right. today. How's we'll that, we'll do it. Yeah. So, well, all good. All good. Well, you've got such a great accent, man. Yeah. Tell us where you're from and what's going on. So originally uh, I'm a Kiwi, so from New Zealand. I uh, grew up on a in a small country town on a small farm in New Zealand and uh, fell into the wine industry. Um, what sort of farm? Uh, just a small lifestyle block of sheep and uh, sheep and cows and chickens. Of course, uh, only you get uh, sheep. Ten acres. Okay, it's um, New Zealand, man. Right, you know everybody. And so everybody it was ten likes. acres. So w- w- was you, w- was your father or was your family farmers or uh, you know they were ex hippies. Okay, you know um, dad's a real estate agent now. My mom's a school teacher. Yeah. So, you okay. Know, cool. And, and just they were uh, living the country lifestyle sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, well, yeah. And we and we lived. Uh, 40 minutes out of the center of Christchurch. Okay. So we're on the countryside. Everything around us is smallest blocks or 10 acres. Right. Basically. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Most of my friends had, you know, a couple hundred acre farms kind of thing. Um, So, yeah. Um, And so, um, and you fell into the wine business in what way? um, So originally I was a graphic designer. Um, Did that for about five years. Um, Kind of went to school for that. uh, Did an apprenticeship. And I, I really got into that more um, as an, for the artistic side of things. Um, I really got into it for um, the um, hand-painted signage. And um, I got trained on airbrush artistry, um, doing kind of large-scale scale murals on buildings. Um, and, and, you know, after five years, really, there was a big shift where everything went digital. And I didn't want to sit behind a computer designing it's a big difference, Thanks. isn't there? Right. So, you know, and I'm a, I grew up outside. I'm an artist. I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle at a computer. It just wasn't my style. So I kind of uh, was having a bit of a freak out going, what am I going to do with myself? I've got to work for the rest of my life. I don't want to be here doing this. And Move to New York and tag trains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one in a million I, make it. Yeah, I could have done that. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I did the, the usual freak out and went to go join the military, you know, um, my mom said, no, hell no, don't do that. Um, being an ex hippie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she handed me a newspaper article to go study, uh, winemaking and viticulture. Hmm. So I was like, oh, thank you, mom. Yeah. Thanks mom. Right. I know. Really? So it was, it was an act, a complete accident. You know, I was like, oh, that looks cool. You know, maybe that could be creative. And I was like, oh, I could go and work in the vineyards and be outside kind of on a farm, which I enjoyed. Um, 
So I applied for the for the course and then got accepted, packed my bags and moved up to the North Island. Okay. Um, up just a little bit above Hawke's Bay, so about halfway up the North Island um, and studied winemaking and viticulture. First week of class, I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like I loved it. I was like... I, I was a drib, beer drinking rugby boy. You know, that's what I did before I got into wine. And I, my first week of class drink, drinking some of these wines that the professor was opening up, I was just like, this is amazing. I didn't know this existed. And, and so for us, you know, because a lot of people think that New Zealand is the land of Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Right. And, and maybe some Pinot. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of small farms. There's a lot of small vineyards. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, I guess my question is, what sort of wines was that professor opening up for you guys? What were they? Were they? Uh, it were was they? A, a lot of aromatic whites um, and, and, and Pinot. You know, he was opening up Gewurz, Tremina and Riesling, a lot of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, and, and then and few, what year was this, roughly? This was back in 2007. Okay. Yeah, okay. 2007. So that was my first year of school. Right. Um, and I was just shocked. I've been I've been stealing my mum's box wine from the top of the pantry, you know, <laughs> prior to that. Um, and then, you know, card Bordeaux. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, first week we, we did a bunch of blind tasting. I realized I had a good palate. I had a good nose. Um, and then I was hooked. I was hooked. I mean, I really was within a week. I was like hooked. Um, and, and so I, I really look at winemaking as just another art form for me. Um, it's just another medium that I can do to used to create something you know, i love creating you know i love building things creating designing yeah everything. are you doing the labels i am yeah yeah good because so. they're really nice yeah part of the whole reason i started my brand is that i wanted to do everything i wanted you know work in the vineyard as much as possible design the labels do all the fermentation do all the sales and make it a real true expression of who i am and what i'm about um, really kind of show my personality in the wines. You know, I've worked for other wineries and, and made other wines, and, you know, you're always having to do what someone else wants to do. So this is really my creative outlet to be able to just do what I think is right um, based on my morals and what I like to drink and, thing, right. and things like that. Yeah. And what was the first wine? Uh, Petite Sarai was the first wine I ever did, uh, 2013, but okay. a barrel, two, you know. Right. It wasn't commercial. You know, two, I really, I look at 2014 as my first true vintage where I made a Petit Sirah Chardonnay. Um, and then I made a little bit of GSM as well. I've had this Petit Sirah. You know where I had it? And I didn't realize it until now. It was at um, the panel. Yeah, yeah. You've and I it. walked in there and the owner said, you know, I just wanted to pick up some cool wines that I had never tried. And, and this is one of the wines she said, you need to take one of these yeah. home. Yeah, I make it in a bit of a different style, so it's, it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. It was amazing. Actually, I took it to work, so uh, we haven't met before. I work at the um, at the Fairmont, mm -hmm. and I took it in, and um, one of our psalms was going for his next level, and so he was doing a lot of blind tasting, and I, I said, oh, I'm taking this to him, <laughs> and I poured it for him. There was no way. Nah. Didn't pick <laughs> it, it out. It doesn't look like petite sirah. Nope, nope. Um, yeah, I mean, when I, got, when I first started making you know i was like right i'm gonna start my brand i was kind of thinking like, what am i gonna do what direction am i gonna go in uh, there was obviously wines that i already drunk that i liked and i was like you know these are the areas i'm probably going to focus on um but i was lucky enough to be involved in managing a, a fairly substantially a, a pretty big vineyard over in napa valley and i kind of went around and asked a bunch of winemakers that had been buying fruit from the from the ranch you know what did you guys think the best variety is on that ranch and i think four out of five of them said petite Sarah. And so I'll take it. 
So that was my, my the, the reason I really started with Petit Syrah. And I also started looking into some of the history of Napa Valley. You know, Napa Valley pre-prohibition was basically Petit Syrah. Hmm. You know, now it's all Cabernet, but a lot right. of it was planted to Petit Syrah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's got a lot of roots here. And what are we drinking right now? We're drinking... So uh, you're drinking uh, Pinot Gris. It's a petalant natural um, from Sonoma Mountain. It smells like... Uh, it smells like um, Greek, Greek yogurt with lemon. It does. It's, uh, I've been, Greek my yogurt. daughter has that, that in the morning. It yeah. totally has that Greek, yeah. that tang to it. Tell me about this label. Since you did a ball, this was the dangerous label? Yeah, so I'm a... I guess I'm, I don't have your traditional wine brand and marketing and labels. Um, I'm young um, in, in the wine industry, obviously. You know, <laughs> For those of you that three, can't see, all three of them the have microphone. great hair. Just so you know. <laughs> how old are you, Blair? I'm 33. You're 33. So, and you've been in it for 10 years, right? Yeah, I've been in it for 10, so yeah. yeah, you yeah you were young. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I was a surfer, skater. You were young. Yeah, I were young. No. <laughs> Come on. No, I mean, I mean, so I was in the wine business when I was 23, and I would have never, ever thought, like, I'm going to start making my own wine. Different yeah. time. Just different yeah. time. Yeah. And, and, and I salute you for that, man. Good for you for jumping yeah. in. It's I mean, awesome. I, I always, I've always struggled working for someone else. Um, I always knew I was going to do my own thing. Yeah. Um, I... I've always struggled, you know, when I know that I have in my head the right pathway of a direction that we need to go to do X job correctly. And when you're working for someone else, sometimes they say, no, you have to take this path. And it's always really grinded my this gears. Is your yeah, you know, so <laughs> yeah. now I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are some people who can't do that. So, yeah. I mean, you should be very happy you did. Yeah. Really. Um, so could you talk a little bit about this first wine? Yeah. Uh, so I, I see it's Sonoma Mountain, Appalachian. Yep, Sonoma Mountain. So it's just off Enterprise Road, mm-hmm. um, Richard Dinner Vineyard. Mm, oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, by Farina there. So, you know, Pedigree, the vineyard is awesome, but they have a tiny little block of Pinot Gris. Um, the vineyard's known for Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, so I, I just managed to snap it up and made a, a pet nat out of it. You know, I, a big part of my brand is that I'm trying to be as natural you know, hands off organic as possible. So naturally pet nat. Congratulations on that, man. Yeah. Seriously. Um, naturally pet nat something you can really be as natural, you know, it's about right. as natural as it gets. Basically right. it's fermenting yeah. juice in a bottle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I pick it really early. I, I kind of t- take on the frame of mind, like I'm making a sparkling or champagne style wine. Um, goes into a tank and just goes through traditional fermentation in the tank. Um, and then I bottle it Um 25 grams, 20 grams of sugar left. I'll, I'll send out, I'll send out analysis daily right. tracking the, tracking the sugars. And when it hits about 20 to 25 grams, I bottle it and cap it. Um, and then it goes into bottle. It went into bottle for a couple of months. Um, I did disgorge it. Um, you know, I was testing bottles and they were just popping and losing half the bottle on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, just from so much solids, there was, you know, it's an active fermentation, so you've got a huge amount of, of the yeast cells, obviously, in the fermentation. So I had a good, you know, ten mil, uh, five millimeters. What's that? Quarter inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got Qu- it. Quarter inch of um, of lees in the bottom of the bottle, and as soon as you pop it, that lees flew up and basically lost half the bottle on the floor. Got it. So I I I, I turned all my bottles neck down and just. And so did you riddle them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did a. Uh, 
The box shake rule. The box shake. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a term that you know we hear about, but yeah. but you're a small winery, one man right. show, and and and, and I did this, and you're doing this by hand. Yeah, by hand. Yeah. So, so that's what I was asking. I, I just turned them upside down in the box. I gave them a good shake a couple of times. That was enough for me. I didn't want it to be crystal clear. I still wanted some sediment. I still wanted it to be. You know, I think the, 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 it gives a lot of texture and, and kind of weight to the palate that wouldn't be there if it was super clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a big chili uh, cooler, chili bin, a cooler yep, yep. full of dry ice, ice chest, ice chest, and uh, just stuck all my bottles neck down in there for a couple minutes, froze the necks, got a 55-gallon drum, yep. cut the side out of it, popped the top, the crown cap off, set it in there, exploded the, the lees plug, and then... Topped the topped the bottle back up and capped it and boxed it. How, and wait a minute, wait a minute. How many cases did you do? Yeah, I only I only did. Oh, what did I do? Forty cases. Still though, cases. that's the. Oh, that's it, took, work, it took me an entire week, and I didn't do one in eighteen because I didn't have enough time. So so <laughs> to go back to this, so you 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 pop the first cap off, yep. the lees blows out, yep. and then you t- you take just another bottle and top yeah, it up. Yeah, so then I just had some sacrificial bottles yep. that I used, and I just topped and then each you recap it, up, it, and then recap it, and I put box it back, and then I couple after I finished that after a week, I then went back and hand labeled it all. And then so, <clears throat> so it, it's th- I touched every single bottle, right, right, right. a couple of times. I put a, every single label on by hand. I put right, every single cap right. on by hand. I filled every single. Do you bottle. kiss the first right. one off the <laughs> bottling lines? I know. <laughs> when I heard that, I was thinking about this. Yeah. Um, it, it took a Thank huge you, Gene, amount of labor, like huge. So and, I, and so. Um, so and so the the CO two that's that's trapped mm-hmm. from it being fermented in the mm-hmm. bottle, there's a little bit released when you yeah. do the the um, when you release yeah. it, but there's still so much captured. Yes, um, and then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, and and the wine when I'm doing the disgorging, the wine's really cold because it sat neck down the dry, dry ice. ice. You know, we we lose a little bit of that pressure, but right. it's still as you can see, right. pretty, it's got plenty of life, pretty sparkling. Yeah, good yeah. amount of sparkling left yeah. in it. Um, it's a fun wine. It's yeah. something that I've always thought would be fun to make, but I'm incredibly intimidated by it. I oh, gotta do it. Yeah, Chenin Blanc it's would a, be a Chenin good Blanc would be really good. Too, yeah, I think that. Do you make Chenin Blanc, Bart? <laughs> There's certain no, what we need to do is we need to sell Shannon Blanc. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right, you guys, come on, all these listeners, let's get the orders in. Let's go. Well, that, that's a that's a very nice uh, wine, and that's a yeah. lot of fun. Um, and it's fresh and clean and yeah. bright. You yeah. know, sometimes yeah. peanuts can get a little funky and yes, they can. Right. And so they can. I th- I chose Pinot Gris for a reason to do that. You know, no, you know, Pinot Gris doesn't really get that reductive during fermentation. Hmm. Um, I didn't want to. There was you know other varieties I could have done it out of, but I was concerned even chardonnay can get pretty reductive i was concerned about doing it out of chardonnay um and i wanted it to you know pinot gris has that like asian pear that like juicy fresh kind of bright white fruit yeah um which i wanted on it you know all of my wines i really want them to be like bright fresh crisp yeah well so far so good so far so good you brought an awful lot of wines Mm. today blair what is your favorite um it's got to be the next one we're going to try right now and we're going for the carbonic. Yeah, so this Carignan. is my Galaxy Carbonic Carignan. Yeah, you gave me a bottle of this. It's yeah. it's sitting over my refrigerator. I was going to open it before, and it just never got around to it. Yeah. So. so brand new wine, um, 100% true carbonic fermentation. So basically, I put this into a egg tank, uh, whole cluster. So straight out of the vineyard, whole cluster into the tank. 
I saturate it with some CO2. Uh, an egg tank, a concrete or one of the uh, the plastic, the plastic yeah. ones. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not making that much money. Yeah, yet, no, I, I, I don't. I don't have one. I don't even have a plastic one, Blair. So, um, but those plastic egg tanks are becoming very popular. They're and awesome. They do a good I'm going to buy huh? another one this year. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Um, so yeah, I put it in. Um, no, so no, no additions of anything. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a very natural wine, um, just straight out of the vineyard straight into the tank, dose it with CO2, close the lid and walk away for three weeks. Yeah. Um, and so then it starts, because there's no oxygen in the tank, it, goes, it starts to go through a carbonic fermentation. Um, so there's fermentation inside of each individual berry. Um, and so the difference is, is that's an enzymatic fermentation versus a yeast fermentation. Um, so it only usually goes up, I think, 2%, 3% alcohol. Mm-hmm through carbonic fermentation, then the berry basically breaks open and the yeast get in there and it starts doing your traditional fermentation. Um, I've had Carignan from this vineyard before. Yeah. It's, uh, they make good Carignan, yeah. that's for sure. Um, so this is a Mendocino is, County. Yeah, Testa Vineyard. Yep. Uh, organically grown? Yeah, organically grown. I think it's a 120-year-old vines. Yeah. Dry-farmed. Oh, beautiful. Um, you know, Doing every, it right, everything aren't you they? want. Yeah. Doing Great ranch. Right. Yeah. Um, the reason I actually made this was... Um, there's a winery up in Sebastopol, Pax, Pax Wines. Yep. He did a carbonic Carignan from the same vineyard, and it blew my mind. I was like, this is awesome. So I called up the yeah. vineyard, and I said, I had any fruit available. And they said, oh, actually, yeah, there is. There's a little bit available in this block. Um, this guy, Pax, Mal used to get fruit from a. I'll take it. Ding, so, done. Yeah, right there. Done. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, obviously a very light red wine, leaning towards a rosé. Mm-hmm. Um, but bright, fresh. Well, it's interesting. You know, Esther Mobley from the Chronicle just wrote an article about um, light-bodied red wines. Yeah. Um, and this is certainly yeah, one chillable of those reds, wines. Right? Chillable reds, yeah. you know. Um, if they're on her radar, they're obviously starting to gain some popularity mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, yeah. Um, certainly Pax has made some wines like that and uh, yeah. Hardy Wallace and stuff. And um, yeah, that's really fun. I, I just I love drinking these kinds of wines. You know, I I've not, I don't drink a lot of big heavy wine. Right. Um, it's just I think my personality. Yeah. Um, I, I like my clean. I like to drink a bottle. You know. Hey, <laughs> we're totally in the same boat. And a lot of times I'm getting off work, twelve o'clock, one o'clock at night, and I mostly drink whites just because I, yes. I'm not looking for something yep. heavy. Yep. Um, and I want to drink a I want to drink a bottle. Yeah. And I can I can pound this. This okay. is perfect temperature yeah. on this wine. That's I would glue, actually glue, go glue. just a, Tiny bit colder, even probably. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it, it's yeah. warmed up a little, you know, on the yeah. way here. But it's definitely put it in the fridge. I treat it like a rosé, basically. Yeah, and, and um, this with like some cheese or charcuterie or something, yeah. Pfft, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really delicious. Yeah, yeah. twelve glue. and a half alcohol. Yeah, yeah. How, what's the level on it, Bart? Twelve point five. That's easy. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, it's I mean, not, and, and again, not a like seventeen point five zen. Pick because no. I, and I and I picked it on on acid you know, and fruit, knowing that I was going to do the carbonic fermentation, kind of carbonic fermentation already, it, it adds so much fruit and brightness to a wine just, just based on the fermentation. I knew I didn't need to get it riper. And this is a 2018. Yeah. So you just bottled this when? Uh, straight after Christmas. Right after Christmas. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was trying to bottle it in November to do a Nouveau. Right. But <laughs> Harvard, I just can't. I have so many projects that I do for when it comes to winemaking, I'm still making Cabernet and, and I can't, to, to, yeah. do, to do a Nouveau for me is kind of difficult. Right. Where are you making your wines? 
Uh, so I make uh, so I make a bunch of different wine. I, I have Guthrie <laughs> Family wines. Mm. Uh, I make Stuart Sellers brands, uh, Slingshot wines, and Hollis wines. Mm-hmm. And so I'm making half of them at Sugarloaf Crush, mm-hmm. um, Kenwood, almost Santa Rosa, and then the other half actually at Cundy Family Winery. Oh wow! Um, when I first immigrated here, I worked at Cundy for a couple of years. I mean, is, is that such a beautiful place, or what? Oh, Good lord! If I could have that estate. Oh, you think? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, all of us could share it very and nicely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think in Sonoma, that that property has the potential to be the best estate in Sonoma, yeah. hands down. Like, the fruit that can be grown on that estate and the wines yeah. that could be made. Like, it, if someone wanted to take that to an ultra-premium right. area, right. you know, they could, right. oh, it's the, a things different, you, the things you could do. Yeah, their mindset, they're not, they're not at that mindset. At this point, unfortunately, but right. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a spectacular piece of property. Yeah, give and them, if you look at a lot of the years. properties that are around it, you know, um, yep. that are doing it that way yep. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, what's next to it? Chateau Saint Jean on the north. Well, I mean, not really that. I'm thinking more of like the and vineyards above the it. You know, yeah, Montecito, Mountain, all yeah. the Moon Mountain AVA. You know, um, yeah. yeah I mean, they go all, from Valley Floor all the way up to 2000. Yeah, yeah, at the top of the ranch. Yeah, and believe me, the view from up there mm-hmm. is just stunning. Yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah, that was my harvest break. I'd go up there. My wife would come and see <laughs> me after three weeks of not seeing me, and we'd go up there and eat burritos at the top of the hill. Yeah, I always just night. wanted to be able to ri- ride my mountain bike around. Yeah. Um, so, I actually got when I worked at Kenwood, we um, we used to go fish one of the ponds. Yep. And the guy I worked with says, "Oh yeah, we got permission. We got permission." And, about the third or fourth time we were there, I'm I'm sitting there fishing on our lunch hour, and I get into a fish, and all of a sudden here comes Keith Cundy driving oh, up, man. and he goes, "What are you guys doing?" And Jim's like, "Oh, well, we got permission from your cousin," and Keith's like, "Nope, see ya." Uh, <laughs> I go, "Can I land the fish at least?" <laughs> Did he let you keep the fish? No, we, th- we throw them all. Back He's worried anyway. you're gonna catch unhook- and release. Yeah, worried you're gonna hook one of the dead bodies in there. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> One of the dead winemakers. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's a fun wine, uh, bar. Yeah, super fun. Um, so let's go on to... Chardonnay. Chardonnay. So, so what I'm going through the alphabet with my wines. Okay, alphabetically. So, Archival, Petite Syrah, Balbourg Chardonnay, Chateau Guthrie, Red Blend, Dangerous, Pet Nat. Uh, we've got Electric and Galaxy. My next one coming out is... Um, I have Picpoul Blanc um, bottling in about... 10 days, I think. A pick pool? Where, yeah. you get, where did you get that from? Uh, in the Sierra Foothills. Uh-huh. Uh, from, uh, I don't know if you know, Forlorn Hope. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Matthew yeah. Rorick. Yeah. 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 So uh, he's got some pick pool blanc growing um, at his ranch in the in the foothills. Okay, so oh. now Calvary's. I'm, I'm going to show a little my ignorance here. What's the difference between pick pool blanc and pick pool? No, oh, there's actually pick pool noir. Yeah. Well, okay. there's pick pool blanc and pick pool de pont. Depend. Okay. It's the same thing, right? Okay. I, I, I think it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I don't know. I think a pick bull, I just always thought it was a white wine. So, oh, no. We, uh, Ian and I actually got a red one day from, from Pinay, I think. So, yeah, from Southern France, they, okay. You yeah. can actually get a red pick wine. Pick blanc came pick bull noir. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, and a rose, uh, which you can, right. You can make a rose, obviously. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I'm excited about that because it's grown on limestone as well. Like, Again, head explosion. You don't get that in California. That's supposed to be a pretty uh, interesting piece of property yeah. there, huh? Yeah, it's a winemaker dream. You know, he's got all the obscure varieties growing on it. Um, he, he's farming so it or- organically. 
you know, uh, it's Sierra Foothills, so the fruit's affordable for, you know, brands like mine where, you know, I can't go out and spend $7,000 a ton right. on Napa Cab. So, right. you know. Is this uh, Amador County you're talking about? Cal- Calveras. Amador. Calveras. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta make a we gotta make a road trip down to see him. I mean, it's definitely difficult in the middle of harvest because you know it's two and a half hours away. Right. And I, I'm pretty busy. I've I make a, I'm, I'm doing about 250 tons for all the wines I'm making, and wow. so I'm not. I don't really have many days off, and so taking that day to go out there and check the fruit, to just come back, and then taking it to drop bins right. and to go pick up fruit. It's difficult, but it's worth it to have something like Pitbull Blanc, which I can't get around here. So, so those mm-hmm. last two brands that you talked about, Slingshot mm-hmm. and what was the other one? Uh, so Stuart, Hollis, and Slingshot. Yeah, so Hollis Hollis and Slingshot, are those, you're the consulting winemaker on those, or are those Just also your brands? Winemaking. No, I don't, so it's my wife and my brother-in-law. It's, okay. It's, it's them together, okay. yeah, basically. And so I'm their winemaker slash brother-in-law and husband. You know? Got it. And Stuart is also <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, your wife's family. Yeah, so that's brand. my wife's family okay, brand as cool. well. So that's more, uh, it was her father that started that more as a hobby back in the early 2000s. And then um, once uh, my brother-in-law James got into the industry and then my wife got in the industry, they kind of took it and ran with it and turned it into a real brand. You know, it was a hobby prior to that. So, yeah. And they own vineyard, is, is uh, no, we don't own any vineyards. Oh, you don't? No, okay. so we've got a couple of big, big leases. Okay, so ten acres in Yonville and another ninety acres in um, Top End of Napa. Okay, cool. um, which we're farming and selling. Cool, some of the fruit. Yeah, um, yeah, you're you are a busy man. Yeah, <laughs> you have a lot of positive energy, Blair. That's a cool thing. Really you got to cool. be. I mean, okay, so the, this was one thing I noticed when I came here to Sonoma and Napa was like. People were treating this like it's some mundane dro- dro- job over here. I was like, well, why is ever, why is no one having fun? You know, when I left, I was in Australia prior to coming here working for a guy called uh, Brendan Keys of BK Wines. You know, he's got a half pipe built in his backyard at the winery, and we're you know we've got we've got de- we have You're DJ skating. yeah we had DJ decks set up at the winery. I'm like, this is awesome. This yeah. is the wine industry. Right? We're making all these crazy wines. We're having fun. We're eating good food. And I got over here, and it was just like serious business and it was all about the money and i was like what's going on guys so for me i'm just trying to make it as fun as possible you get into the wine industry for the lifestyle right i mean it's i you don't want to have to go to work on a monday well here they you know if you start making a billion dollars a year then they'll put in the they'll put in the pool and the djs and they'll give you lunch every day (laughs) like the tech companies you know but at the beginning it's like well let's try and turn a profit yeah (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do understand it is expensive to do, to be in the wine industry here locally. You know, fruit is expensive. Yeah. Um, and so there is, the, the risk is higher here. You can't really afford for things to go wrong yeah. when you're dealing with, like, you know, this cab that we'll try at the end. It's expensive fruit. And so. Yeah, what, I can see the Beckstoffer yeah. name on right. the label. So, so I'm th- assuming. That <laughs> has to be perfect. And yeah. that definitely can stress you out and take a little bit of the fun out of it. But yeah. it's just part and parcel of it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just, you know, that's why, but that's why I created my brand. Uh, part of my brand was a little bit of a middle finger to, right. to the rest of the industry. Like, you don't have to be like that, guys, you know. Yeah. Um, but sometimes somebody has to do that. Somebody has to stand up and go, you know, I, I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody else changes. They see what you're doing. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to have some fun. Well, like one, of, one of our good friends, Ben Larks from Idle Sellers, huh, he's yeah. not shy about <clears throat> wanting to have fun and sometimes yeah. you almost think that the winemaking comes secondary to chicks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it does it's like <laughs> well, it's, it's top yeah. three you know <laughs> yeah. but like people are diverse 
So why do we want we we need diverse wines? Yep. You know, there is everyone has a different palate. You know, I think we got in the the zone here locally of of following the wine critics, and everyone got channeled into going in one direction to try and be successful. When really, I mean, like there's an ask for every seat. I'm not I'm not knocking any style. I make obviously big big stuff for Napa cabs all the way through to pet net. I, and right. I love that I make all of those different kinds of wines. Right. You know? I'd hate to just make one style. Yeah, right. I, I get bored. You know, it's. I think it's probably their artistic mentality. You just want to keep creating new things and doing different stuff, and that's probably half my problem, actually. Yeah. Well, but part of the part of the the does part of the neat thing about it is is being able to look at it every year and saying, okay, well, this is what we did last year, mm-hmm. given these circumstances, and and this is what I resulted in. Right. But next year, I'm going to do this Tweak it. to get it to this, yep. or hopefully get it to this. Yeah. Um, so just, sorry guys, I just see a wild turkey, turkey. walking <laughs> through the back and wondering my, why my dogs haven't chased it. Oh away no, yet. I saw one j- fly over the fence. Yeah. They don't fly very gracefully. No, that's um, why I was surprised. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, did they just fly? But, yeah. but that's, you know, that's one of the great things about yep, it is definitely. being able to go, yeah, that didn't quite do it. I mean, right. it's still a good wine, but that wasn't where I was going yeah. with it. And, or, and we're making a, na- a natural product, you know, grapes. The conditions are different every winter, every growing season. You know, the, even in the winery, like your mental state during harvest or blending changes everything. Um, and so I actually strive for my wines to be different every year. I want like, otherwise, why were we putting a vintage on the bottle? Right. You know, I'm not making Coca-Cola. Like, right. otherwise, take the vintage no. off. You do day. not right. want it to taste the same yeah. year to year. You want to taste that year. You want to taste yeah. the location. Express but- the vintage. Express the weather, the the vineyard, the soil, the clones, like express everything, like push everything that's there and just elevate it. But as we were, as we've said before and talked about it in the previous podcast is that, you know, part of that is being able to tell the story mm-hmm. and being able to tell your story right. of telling right. the wine yeah. and um, the wines that are between your shoulders and your knees in the grocery store, people are going to buy those wines, nothing wrong with those wines, mm-hmm. but they're going to buy those wines because the last time it was there, it tasted like this and that's what they want it yes. to taste like. Yeah. And I know when I worked at a larger winery, we used to, for our Sauvignon Blanc, we're, you know, 35,000 cases of Sauvignon Blanc every year. It needed to taste similar yeah. in style to the previous year. So we always tasted it with the previous year's wine and would actually tweak it if mm-hmm. it was out of style. Right. More apple. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, cowbell. But, More but, lemon. But that was... That <laughs> but you, you, that, but you, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't no, and, and it was done artistically. It yes. wasn't like we were using anything else. We were saying, well, you know, what vineyards are showing the aspect that we don't like, and yeah. let's take that wine out. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, still... And, and there's, and we need those wines. Yeah. You know, not everybody is a connoisseur of wine and not everyone wants to be. Some of them just want to have a nice bottle of wine at home. Absolutely. They don't need to decipher it. So right. we need those wines. I mean, the slingshot brand I make is a little bit similar to that, although I'm trying to be it obviously as, as natural as possible, but it, it can't be drastically different every year. Um, but as long as I think it's going in the right direction, it can kind of neander its way in that direction. Um there's an us for every season. Well, there is yeah. naturally going to change year by year just because of the fruit quality yeah. and what's going on. Yeah. But you want to taste that. Congratulations. I'm yeah. glad you're not tweaking it every year. Yeah, you know, I've done that in the past for wineries that I've worked for where I've 
put all this yeast and bacteria and put things out and pulled things out. And like the wines were fine, but they had no personality. They were just, for me, generic white wine and generic red wine. Right. They had no, they just had no soul. You know, they had right. no heart to them. They, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it. No, no, I, no. We've talked about this yeah. before. I mean, at least, um, yeah, the wine has to have a soul. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the thing about it is when you make a lot of additions, yes, there are certain things that you do to the wine that enhance, enhance it. But there's always something taken away, mm-hmm. and what you don't know is what it is that you took away. Right. Yeah. You know, is yeah. is what did you strip it when you add when you add an enzyme to it? What did you strip it of? Um, so yeah, exactly. It's just a philosophical hey, thing. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things too. If you know, especially if you're a smaller winemaker, you make a wine, and maybe a person gets a hold of uh, one of your wines at some point randomly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So they, they get it and they, they try it and they think that's what your wine tastes like when right. actually, no, in a year from now, if you go take another one mm-hmm. off the shelf, you're going to have a completely different thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's having a long-term sort of goal as well yeah. that you're, you're not planning on someone just having a bottle of wine today that you have right. from a specific vintage. Yeah. You want them to be drinking your wine over, the, over a decade. Yes. And Because then they can the see whole, the, the exactly. direction it was going in even right. though it snaked its way there. Right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, and, yeah, where's and, the, and like, I'm sorry, Brian, yeah, but no, like Phil Katuri said when we had him on, it's like one of the greatest thing is to try, you know, the same wine from the same producer over several years mm-hmm. and see the evolution of the winemaker mm-hmm. and, and the story of the vintage. And the, the weather year. conditions. Yeah, and yeah. the story of the vintage. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. For sure. No, I was just curious where this Chardonnay was yeah. coming from. It says Sonoma Mountain. Yeah, so it's from Farina Vineyard. So it's actually a vineyard just below where I get the Pinot Gris from. Okay. Um, so Enterprise Road, just okay. there. Yeah, um, cool little vineyard. I mean, it's basically three feet of soil before it hits bedrock. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty rocky, stressy vineyard. Um, really cold in the morning. Obviously, doesn't get ripe. Sonoma Mountain is pretty foggy and cold in the mornings until the fog blows away before it kind of gets warmed up. And so it doesn't usually start ripening until about eleven o'clock. So I, I kind of have quite extended sort of ripening season for the Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, so it has a lot of natural minerality left in it. I think, you know, kind of those bright, juicy acids. When well, you're yeah. not covering it with a bunch of oak too, which yeah. is, so right. then I'm actually getting to taste Exactly, that. yeah. yeah. Um, and, and for my style, you know, I'm trying to express fruit, bright, fresh, crisp flavors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I believe Chardonnay needs oak. I'm not a big fan of un-oak Chardonnays. There's yeah. other wines that I believe don't need oak, like Syrah for me is, I don't like oak and Syrah. But in Chardonnay, I think it needs it. Mm. It just creates another layer and dimension to, to, to the wine. You know, it's, it's a winemaker grape, you know. So this does have oak. Small amount, yeah. So, um, so a small amount of new oak? Yeah, so, yeah. I wrote this down because I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> what I put it? It has 20% new oak on. Yeah. So that, yeah. But 20% for me is high for my brand. Right. And 20% yeah. for those of you out there who don't know, 20% new oak and a Chardonnay is like having no oak at all yeah you know um and, and they're light toast barrels they're medium yeah. barrels yeah. and light toast they're not medium plus yeah it's nice yeah yeah, yeah. No, and i love that area that's where you know uh tony katuri lives right. on enterprise yep. and has that property there and that's I, right. every time i buy uh, a lottery ticket the only thing i'm thinking is 
I'm finally going to get to buy a fucking house on on Sonoma Mountain. somewhere on Sonoma oh, Mountain. Oh, I would love to have a better Well, and, and, and Enterprise is such a cool road because it's its own little sub-appellation there because it kind of sits down in the saddle or kind mm-hmm. of in a low spot of yeah. the northeast side of the, the mountain. Yeah. Um, it's a very unique kind of spot. It's a cool spot. I mean, it's... And even the soil profiles, you know, you've got like some volcanic kind of soils, but you also have some old ocean floor soils. Yeah. Mm. It's like a mix. It's yeah. it, Then there's a lot of bedrock up there, which you wouldn't think there would be up there. You know, it's, yeah, it's very cool. But yeah. where, locate that northeast side of the mountain for me. So, so Enterprise Road um, runs between Sonoma Mountain Road and Bennett Valley Road. So if Bennett Valley and Sonoma Mountain both run east-west, um, this Wherever would, you see the wood for sale, yeah. it's got right. the cord of wood. <laughs> right. there, like there. If you're taking the back road to Santa Rosa, basically, yeah. to yeah. cut yeah. through yeah. on the way to Bennett Valley. Yeah. 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 And I, ju- I just had been there because I used to be a Coturi wine club member, but not a, not 16600, actual Tony Coturi. And it's, I decided that I was going to pick up my wines because working at Imagery Winery, I would always drive back and forth and drive right by Enterprise. So I thought, well, I'm just going to pick up my wines. First time I drove up to that house, had to open up the gate. I think three dogs basically <laughs> attacked me. I jumped in my car real quick, drove up the driveway. Now remember, this is this is a Katuri property. It looked like it looked like it had been abandoned. <laughs> I mean, it's seriously like I thought maybe it sounds no one was it? living there, yeah. and the the vines just completely wild. And there was barrels on the property, but the barrels were outside, covered with like blue tarps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Sounds are like Sean Thackeray. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the full moon. Let's get naked and yeah. throw the grapes on the floor right. or something, right? But that's um, fun. I mean, hey, look, I'm not going to argue against his like that point of like making wine in that style or anything, but like yeah. doing that is just awesome, though. You know, well, like, that's why I, I was only a wine club member at one place, and it was Katuri because. Right. I didn't know anyone else that made wine like that. And so right. I wanted to have wines that totally. were completely different. And totally. I love turning other people onto it because yeah. you're like, oh, you oh you like that? Try this. Yeah. Like Try if it. it was acceptable for me to get nude during harvest, I'd be nude in so, the <laughs> When is it not acceptable? <laughs> I think the international... Yeah, you're talking to the wrong people here. <laughs> yeah, John's an ex-hippie. Absolutely. Guaranteed. I like your folks the way they raised you you know you need to do your own thing and that graphic design yeah man the people who can do that and you're right about that whole computer thing mm-hmm. you know in the ad agency business man we had artists who were so perfect on the computer yeah but we always had somebody who could draw right because you lose that you lose everything man yeah. it doesn't matter whether you can work photoshop or yeah, not exactly yeah so blair yeah. i mean these labels are all so unique mm-hmm. you know from the the Galaxy label, which it, it reminds me of... Um, Spirograph? Spirograph. That's exactly what it is. It this is. This is meant to be nostalgic. For yeah, it, it totally is. I mean, I'm... It's I'm, meant to be the Spirograph that I... You know, I, I, I was born in the 80s, but grew up in the 90s, right? Yeah. So, like, this... that. Kieran Yon's meant to be the Spirograph label, you know, sit down, watch the Goonies movie, you know, <laughs> like, drinking my carbonic Kieran Yon and, you know... Eating jelly beans or whatever, you know. But the other, the other ones, the the Bell Bird and yeah. the Chateau Guthrie, I mean, there's no doubt that they're from the same producer, um, uh, have the same kind of yeah. familiar feel, familiar feel to them, but couldn't be more different, right? So the, there's a reason behind everything. Like, I, there's always a reason behind what I do. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to be as hands off and natural and kind of free as possible, but there has to be a reason behind it. I'm not just 
doing stuff. Um, and so like the bellbird label, that's actually a, the, a bellbird's a native bird that is in New Zealand that I grew up. It was in my garden growing up that I used to listen to all the time. So that's why that's called bellbird. Chateau Guthrie, that's meant to be my, my house, house blend, basically. Um, it's meant to be my coiffer house blend for the... What, what's in it? Because it's, it's in like a burgundy bottle. So, so it's, a, it's a GSM. Okay. So I, I'm a Rhone guy. That's what I love to drink and what nice. I actually love to make as well. So I'm basically everything I do it, it, going, going forward now is actually going to be Rhone. Um, and it has been majority. majority so the Chardonnay right. will disappear? Yeah. I think, you know, I love making it, but Chardonnay, it's just, it's a little more difficult to sell. You know, I'm competing against people like Hansel and Paul Hobbs and, right. you know, Rombauer and... Yeah. Cougar juice. Yeah, you know, I like it does well, and like people love it. But I've still got to hustle, hustle, hustle to yeah. sell it because it just because it's Chardonnay. Right. So I, I'm I'm transferring over into the Picpoul Blanc is basically we'll take over. That's that. weird. That's kind of like the reverse thing because you know I was the buyer at the Girl and the Fig for a long time. Mm-hmm. So Roan varietals, I mean, are right. my jam. And, um, but it was it's funny to hear it the reverse where you have Chardonnay and it's kind of hard to sell where because yeah. because. There's so many other people in that market. Right. No, exactly. Right. right. But there, I'm competing against thousands of wineries that make Chardonnay. Right. Um, you know, Picbull Blanc wine, it's way more exciting for me to be making it yeah. because no one else is doing totally. it. Yeah. And then also people are just like, oh, Picbull Blanc, what? You've got Picbull I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure I could walk down to the girl in the fig with the Picbull Blanc when it comes out and they'll take it um, just because it's Picbull Blanc locally. They'll be, they'll be totally be interested because who else does it is uh, Anaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mounts um, yeah. does a does yeah. a pickpool as well. Creek, and that's about it. And Bonnie Doon, Tablas and Bonnie Doon. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, right. could you tell us the blend on this? Um? Yeah. So it's a GSM. Uh, so Grenache, Syrah, Morvedra. Um, it's forty three percent Grenache, forty two percent Morvedra, and the balance is, is Syrah. And a nice low percentage of yeah. Syrah. So I was really lucky with the the, the vineyard that we lease and I, I help manage over in Napa that had some little Rhone varieties planted on it, which was mm. awesome. Um, so that's part of the reason I also started making that as I get to farm it and also mm. make it. Oh, man, beautiful floral. I mean, like, oh, good stuff. That's really delicious. Good. Yeah, so yeah. again, like bright, yeah. fresh, but it's still yeah. got some complex. It's easy drinking, but it's got complexity to yeah. it. You know, like I think that's what I'm really trying to do is, and I, it's really hard to do, I think, is, is make it drinkable, but complex like you don't want and it has a long lingering palate which adds the complexity yeah yeah like you don't want it drinkable and simple you know right right um i think a lot to do with is to do with acid um and and also you know i'm doing some a lot of whole cluster fermentation and things like that i think the the stems really create texture on the palate um and then trying to find that balance of getting it as ripe as I can, but also retaining as much natural acidity as I can. So you get that kind of moorish, juicy character in the back. Um, you know, luckily, Movedra is a pretty late ripener. Grenache obviously gets very ripe very quickly. So I usually pick those two blocks they're side by side on the same day. And my Grenache is, for what I'm doing, is a little overripe. So it's like 24 and a half bricks. And, but my Movedra is down at like 22 bricks. So it's mm. like this perfect yeah. pick right. date for them. And I'll... Split them up or co ferment them at the winery. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very, very cool. I know. Napa, and it's funny how it says USA 
on yeah, the I noticed label. that tuck, tucked in on either side. It's yeah. it's a great label. It's my homage to my new country, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and why I've not? I've got some New Zealand stuff on this label here. So yeah. I was going to say, yeah. is there a little ode yeah. to the... Yeah, when we get into petite, the petite sir, I'll show you. What is this retail for, the GSM? Uh, it's 32 32 yeah. on your website? Yeah. Which is... Can, yeah. Wait, can we get all of the different labels at one website yeah on my website everything's available on my website oh will yep. you spit that out for yeah, us yeah so or? it's uh, www.guthriefamilywines.com okay guthrie g-u-t-h-r-i-e just like woody yeah okay yeah i mean i you mean arlo woody guthrie and yes his son arlo okay you know when you're a kansas when you're a small brand um distribution is it's not easy challenging it's challenging you don't make a lot of money you know distribution's really works when you're scaled up, scaled up a little yeah. more. So small brands like me really, I think are going to in the future and really now are surviving off website sales and mailing list and wine club. Like that's where we and can podcast podcasts yeah. like this where people go and buy my wine. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, that's where you really make your money. Cause when you're giving it to a distributor in New York, you know, you're giving it to them at FOB pricing, you know, it's half of what you are selling it on your website basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, hoping that someone gets turned on to it, likes it, and then calls you up and orders a case. Right. Yeah. I mean, I look at distribution as a marketing tool, yeah. more so than the money maker for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so get it out in front of faces. Right. You know, I sell a lot, a lot of wine through an online wine club, um, Winester, out of Chicago, um, and it's awesome because it goes out to thousands of people that would never see my wine. Hmm. It's just an online wine club that they have they, they basically have a whole lot of small producers like me that they they do their wine um which i would never get in front of those people right um right so those are the avenues i'm trying to t- kind of target with my brand more so than traditional distribution now i have not heard of them at yeah. all yeah wine, wine, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 I, I i do follow them on social media i don't you know how, how they, they should came have out your to, they should have yeah your it, it, it's kind of like a naked wine situation no no no, no 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 this is a they're like an online wine club like or, or a uh, just an online marketing thing more like more like a benchmark although benchmark mm-hmm. kind of has a lot of um uh known brands and older vintages these guys work with more smaller wineries yeah. so they, they basically built it on small producers from USA only, um, like they don't want any mass-produced wine. They want new, new California. Mm-hmm. They want young, fresh winemakers doing crazy different varieties, or old farts like Bart that are doing Chenin Blanc. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that's what they want. So they don't want any of the traditional brands. And right. then basically, people sign up for their wine club subscription, and every month or two months or whatever, they get a three-pack of wine, and it has three different wineries in it. So it might have my wine and then X, Y, and Z's wine in it. So these people, it's awesome for us because we're getting in front of these people, but it's also awesome for their customers because their customers are seeing these wines. Yeah, you're creating cork dorks. A bunch of people that wouldn't have, they go to their their market down on the corner, they're not going to see these wines. Ever. Like they're, they're going to walk into the store and yeah, they're not even going to go into their finest wine shop and find these right. wines. And some yeah, guy's right. going to try and sell them Camus or something, you know. Yeah, right. They're going to miss out on this whole other side of the industry that's you know that's awesome. Or bedrock, yeah. you know. God. Uh, such <laughs> an interesting Such an interesting reaction. Let's see if anyone's listening over there. When we uh, mentioned um, naked wines, big reaction. It's such a strange place. We were over there and did a. Um, you know, we did a podcast with them, and I had no idea what they were exactly like and what they exactly did. I don't know that they hide it in any particular way, but 
it's a little hard to tell from the outside what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Even when you get in there and they tried to explain it to us, a lot of our listeners were saying, boy, then they need to say that in their marketing yeah. tools. That's a big problem, I think. They're not explaining yeah. it well. Especially with this change in the industry happening with millennials coming through. We, we don't trust corporations. Like we've been right. screwed. You know, Our right. generation's been screwed by a lot of big money, big pharma, whatever. Um, we want to know the honest truth behind these brands, like, or we're not going to buy them. Um, I think that's so important to get out. Is how are you? How old are you? Thirty-three. Okay, my son. So I'm just 31. a millen- I'm barely yeah. a millennial. Yeah. Um, so you know, people talk a lot of crap about millennials, but I'm one. Hey, my son is one, and he's uh, he, his favorite thing is sake. Mm-hmm. You know, and sake and beer. The red wine tastes like felt, Dad. Sorry. Right. But, uh, you know, I think it, the generation's got so much at its fingertips it wants to explore. You know, the boomer generation, it didn't have it available for them to, to, to grab. And, uh, you know, they just didn't have it in their face. You know, now I can go online and see thousands of different labels. Right. And buy that wine, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but it, then it's just more confusing. It is. And yeah. that's the problem. There are millions, then of, things, there's the millions sat- of options. Yeah, that's why you got to listen to... People you trust, yes. John, like us. Exactly. No, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> right. We, we, I mean, we need. To, we're not. We actually. D- we don't have sponsors on this show, uh-huh. and and we've talked about it before. And and one of our not that not that we have people beating down our door, mm-hmm. but one of our things was you know if if a larger winery wanted wanted to sponsor us, we probably would have a problem with that just right. because then we'd feel like we have to talk nicely about that and we we have friends of our you know we drink some of our friends wines and we will call it out and say you know what that's not really my fave yep. um and if if you have a if you have a thin skin and you can't hear that from right from people who actually like other things you do well then you're probably in the wrong biz right well uh, and that's something that i think winemakers need to understand is that it's not personal if you don't like their wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to have enough confidence that you've made a good wine that if someone says, no, not for me, that you go, that's cool. You know, try this one. This yeah. might be a little more your style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. So this 2017 yeah, red so I, blend. I just wanted to basically show you two different vintages. Yeah. You know, I usually age for about a year before I release it. So I'm, I'm got another six months probably on that 16 yeah. before I release the 17. But you can see the difference already in the plushness of the... Yeah, sixteen versus seventeen is really crunchy and tight still. Totally, um, it's because you know I don't rack them a lot during right. the aging. The, the CO two on them's um, also not super low when it goes to to bottle. Right. So uh, you know that dissipates over the first six sure. months, and the sulfur breaks down. They and it kind of the same percentages on the varieties. Yeah, pretty similar. So then, similar. the question for you is: I noticed you're using is this Nomacork or yeah. is this? So if you can see, right. sixteen was natural. Normal cork, and now I went to normal cork. And it is, this is Noma cork. Yeah, I'm over natural cork. I'm done. I'm so burnt out on it. Huh. And I'm, s- I'm so sick of it. <laughs> and so, so do you, do you see yourself, you mentioned the higher CO2 mm-hmm. in the 17, and that's because it's a younger wine and because you don't rack it very often. Mm-hmm. So there's a minimalist work to it. But are you thinking that it's going to age out different with yeah. the natural cork to but, the Noma cork? Yeah, because this breathes like a normal cork. It still breathes. It still has channels all the way through. It's still fibrous. Yeah. It's not like a DM. Right. Uh, the composite corks that they use are like the synthetic glues to hold together, which they're basically airtight. Right. This this breathes. Now, okay. So the, the DM is also the one that does the the honey based cork, right? Uh, 
we use DM for slingshot. It's a it's a, it's a solvent based glue it that is. holds okay. that okay. holds together. And so part of what I'm doing, obviously, is natural and organic as I can. Like this doesn't have any glues in it. Right. Um, it's negative carbon footprint. Right. Just fits in with what I'm doing, but it also, I like today. I had to open up three bottles of Chardonnay before I chose that one. Huh. One was corked, and the other two were. One was a little bit oxidized and the other one was fully oxidized wow. from natural cork. I'm just finding that, especially with my style of winemaking where it's a lighter style, I'm, I open five bottles of wine and all five are different. And that's not yeah. what I want. It's, yeah. And so I'm worried that customers are getting my wine and it's a little bit oxidized and that's not what it's meant to look like. It's not. So this is just ensuring what I put into the bottle is what people were drinking. Right. I guess, you know, and, and I I know there's been tests on this and I haven't looked into it myself, but I, I remember when the plastic corks were all mm-hmm. the rage and St. Francis moved all their reserve wines to, right. to those plastic corks. We had a whole collection of them that we, you know, uh, held on to to see how they aged out. Mm-hmm. And we found that a lot of them had lost their integrity. Like mm-hmm. when you put the corkscrew in it, it just twisted. Yeah. And... I, you know, I mean, that's a concern, right? It is, but... But it's, it's so you, you... The same thing happens with natural cork. I, yeah, I guess you're I right. I mean, I open up the old vintages of Stuart Sellers from the early 2000s and the corks are degraded and yeah. soft and, yeah. and some... and So I guess I, I guess I know this is better than those original plastic corks. Yes. Um, but, but I'm I, still I, hesitant hey, but, to but jump hey, we, in. we don't know. So you could... Maybe in ten years we'll be able to answer right. that question. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I guess that's my point. Right. Is that we're still early on yes. this. Yeah, but I'm willing to take that because my wines are fresh, youthful wines, and I th- I don't think people are going to put these in their cellar right. for fifteen right. years. Right. I think and they're probably going to be they'll drink be gone them. in five years. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like me, aging time from the store, car, home, drink. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's that's the way you do a good bottle of wine. You don't want to sit around and talk about it. You want to enjoy it. With friends. Yeah. What were those corks that uh, Jennifer Reichardt? Uh, she's using normal cork, too. She's using that one, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the new New California kids. But look at the integrity of the corks that we pulled out um, last week with Gene Arnold. Well, I mean, some of them were good. Some of them not so good. And it took but an also to been... bring it out. Well, but it should take an awesome. We had a magnum of 85 Chateau Monolena Cab corked. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't that suck? Yeah. <laughs> You know I how we're long using she's been sitting on that bottle for of the wine? Stewart wines this year. I'm actually using a new cork where they individually test every single cork for right. TCA. Yeah, we've talked about that. But it's a dollar something a cork. This is like 15 cents or something. Yeah, Opus does that. We did a little tour at Opus and they'll test every fucking yeah. cork. But the reality is, if <laughs> one, it only takes one corked bottle for to pay for that extra expense for me. For, for this That's one, right. it's a $175 Absolutely. bottle, right? So right. One, it's a what? 175 for that one. Hello. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm in your $32 yeah. range. Right? So these are like 32 22 Thick stuffer. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the name, right? Is the fruit. I mean, well, you know, okay. let's dive so, into so it. So I was pretty anti this project prior to it. Because? Uh, I don't believe in the system. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, True millennial. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, believe in the system. But well, make your own system then. I'm, the a big, I'm a believer now. Like, you see it. When the fruit comes in, you're tasting it on the sorting table. Fermentations, you know, tasting it against my other cabs that are, are a qu- an eighth of the price. The di- there's, a huge, there's a difference. There's a difference. You know, 
I mean, we'll, we'll taste it at the end. We'll taste it at the end. I hope it's not corked. I didn't even yeah. check it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll taste it. We'll All find right. out. Next one in your, gla- uh, in your glass is Petit Syrah. So first wine I started making, <clears throat> Petit Syrah. This is not your Fapiano Petit Syrah of the past. Right. This so, is, you know. When I, got, oh, that, yeah. when I started researching yeah. it, <laughs> I, I was like, why is everybody screwing up Petit Syrah? Right. What's going on? Like, I, they look like port. Yeah. They, they literally are 16.5 alcohol. They've and after being open your, for an hour, tasted like port. Five grams well, of sugar it, in them. They, 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 I mean, that's basically port. If it was half a gram, uh, half a percent higher in alcohol would have been port legally. That's what imagery does. I mean, their Petit Syrah is bold and dark and right. you know, yeah. I, look, I, heavy. So my theory on Petit Syrah, it's got so much to give. It's got so much color, so much flavor, so much tannin. It's just got everything. You don't need it all. You just need to take what you what you want. So I'm picking it early. I'm I'm picking petite sirah on acid. Majority of the time for my way making, I'm picking on flavor. Flavor is the one thing that you can't change. But for petite sirah, I'm picking it on my acids. I want oh. my acid where it is. Um, and because the flavor is already always there, the tannins are always there. It's well. petite sirah. It's got so much of it. Um, and so you don't need to get it right. Take it to the winery. I I hundred percent destem it. So I'm doing a lot of whole cluster from some of the other wines, but for this, I like to destem it. I don't, it's already got edgy tannins. It doesn't need any more of that kind of grainy tannin that you get from whole cluster or anything. I think it's got so much fruit, it would just cover up any of the steaminess anyway. Mm. Um, and then treat it like Pinot Noir, basically. Punch down once a day, maybe two times a day by hand. Um, I'm not using a punch down tool in it because I'm trying to be as gentle as possible. Also looking for hot and cold pockets in the, in the bins. Um, and then so you're foot treading it, foot treading, yep, getting in. I mean, mainly just cause I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and then halfway through fermentation, I start looking for when I'm going to start pressing. I'm usually pressing between 15 and 10 bricks, which usually most people for red wines are going till they're dry and leaving them on a little longer. Um, I'm kind of like, okay, it's got enough tannin, it's got enough structure, press it. And then I do a pretty gentle press on it. So my yields are pretty low on it because um, I don't want that aggressive, hard tannin that you can get from Petit Sarah. I think the riper it gets, the harder you press it, the more you extract it, it gets really square tannins on it. I want plush, juicy tannins. So something that we used to do at Benziger, this was for the imagery label, is we had a Petit Sarah from Shell Creek, uh, down in Paso Robles area, um, used to bring it in, but it was picked when it was fully ripe, mm-hmm. I think. But So my question is, what I'd like to see done is this, is we'd press it at about 15 bricks, mm-hmm. and then we'd barrel ferment the rest of yep. it. And um, and it was actively fermenting. Yeah, it's, um, and so the question is, is, but I always thought that what got in the way was the high alcohol and the full-on tannins developed. Right. And lack of acid, mm-hmm. but so do you finish it in barrels? The fermentation, yeah, yeah. go yeah. straight into barrel. Yeah, I, I usually I don't have the luxury of going into a tank and sitting there anyway. Right, um, I make small lots. Right, so these are uh, two hundred cases. Right. You know, so you press it. It's basically pressed into a, a little tub, a couple of tubs, and it goes straight into barrel within a couple of hours. So usually a lot of solids in it as well. Yeah, um, I just think like the acid. Like petite syrah, like the earlier you pick it, you get all the blueberry notes and the riper it gets, it goes into that blackberry tobacco character. So I'm, I'm looking for that blueberry character. You know, everyone yeah. loves blueberry pie, right? Like, uh, Yeah, I think 
Actually, if, if I was doing a blind tasting and you threw this wine at me and said, what is it? I might actually say Barbera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had someone else say that to me. Oh, actually, no, it's in the Jason. Yeah. 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 Well, I used to love Petit Syrah because this is in my younger days. I, I knew that if I bought a bottle of Petit Syrah, it, it was basically like buying six different bottles. Like as I first opened it, I'd pour it. It would uh -huh. taste one way. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes later, it would taste completely different. Yeah. Half an hour later, oh my God, it just turned, took another turn. Yeah. And then, then at the end of your meal, you're finishing it and you've got like graham cracker and coffee yeah. and chocolate and you're like it does fuck. evolve it's a lot. like yeah it was it was this, kind of fun taking the journey now i don't i don't want it to i want <laughs> i want to have a nice glass of wine right. without going through that entire process um so i kind of got off petite Syrah and i was i don't know if it was on the air that i was saying that yeah when i tried this wine for the first time was um was at uh, at the panel and mm -hmm. the and the owners were yeah. were there and giving me a little personal tour and said yeah. you got to take one of these home this is one of the yeah. one of my favorite wines yeah awesome yeah, I mean, you should drink that four day, four or five days later, though. Really, it's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I think for I, a there's a lot of acid in my wines. Like I, my pHs are, I try to get them down as low as I can. The TAs are are like high sixes into seven, mm -hmm. and so they do really well after a couple of days. Interesting. Um, so good, good BTG wines. Great too, BTG wine. Yeah. I try to like promote that when I'm selling it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was always a big thing for buying wines BTG. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, well, give me give me a bottle, and I'll get back to you in two days because I right. want to see what it's like when it's just sitting open on my counter for a while. Yeah, right. Yeah, especially when you're talking about unique varietals, the ones that don't sell as frequently yes. as the other ones. So, uh, so this is just the 17. 17. So just so you can see the difference in. And do you want to talk about the? Is there anything specific about the this label you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. So if you have a look at the label, yeah, there's a. I saw it. You've got all these little little emblems on here. This is a Tanifa. Yeah. So this is like a mythical river monster that lives in New Zealand that protects our streams and our foreshores. It's a the, the native people in New Zealand, the Māori. This is kind of one of the myth, mythical creatures that lives protects. Things. I like that. So and you've got the unseen eye on the. the donor bill I'm a bit there. of a conspiracy theorist. I love sometimes, it. You know, so that's you on got there. Got a skull, and then you skull got skull because uh, I'm a bit of a dirtbag. You got the, the eagle. <laughs> and the eagle's on there to kind of represent my new coming to America and representing America. Right. Yeah. What is the unseen eye doing on the dollar bill? Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? Where does it come from? Right. Why is it there? <laughs> and again, this is a 2018, so... No, this um, is 17. This 17, 17. 16 to 17. Oh, 16 to 17. My, sorry. I, You're good. You might fix that font. It's a little bit hard to yeah. read. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just. I got these young, young, young eyes. I got these young right. eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah, you might want to switch prescriptions, <laughs> old man. Get some reading glasses. Touche. Like my wine label. Yeah. <laughs> All good, man. All um, good. But again, like fresh, bright, clean. Yeah. But like, and good food wines. Part of the, you know, when I first got in the industry, um, getting mentored under Brendan Keys in Australia, like. He's a f massive foodie as well. And so there was just always food and wine on the table. And so that kind of got stuck in me where, you know, you've got to make the wine to go with the food. Yeah. Um, and these, sure. are, these are those wines. What were yeah. they using this Petit Syrah for before? Were they doing, were they blending this into it stuff? It was sold off, yep, to other wineries yeah. that were probably blending it away. Yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. Yep. It is. Honestly. No, it is. I mean, there's so many things out there like Petit Verdot and Malbec, you know, in Napa. It's just blended into cab and petite yeah. rice blended into cab there's not many people doing single varieties. well imagery does a great petite verdot and i love it yeah well, that's because they're blending something in with it 
Well, well that, it's, it's a joke, Joe. No, well, you know what? It's it's one of those that is just. It was when I got here and I met Joey and was that was it. I mean, I was getting imagery. Yeah. No, and, I mean Petit Verdot's a a standalone wine. It's hard to make. It it is difficult. Well, it's because it's such a late ripener too. It'll give you a fucking heart attack. Like if you're waiting to, <laughs> if you don't put it in your blend. Then ah, who cares? We didn't put any Petit Verdot in it this year. If you're doing it as a standalone yeah. and you're sitting there waiting for it to ripen, and then it's yeah. rains coming next yeah. week, when and I you're like, what are we doing? Yeah, I've made some <laughs> PV over the years, and the one kind of thing I've learned is you let it hang until the leaves start to fall off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's hard. Some years that's not doable. Yeah, Bart, um, what else do they mix in there? Oh, you know, John, when I was there, it was. Um, uh, you know, it was all Bordeaux varieties. There were some Malbec, some Cabernet, and stuff. Well, they used to get it from the from the guy down the street. That was that Clarenbeck or Claren? It was Clarebeck. Clarebeck, and yeah. it was one of the kids that worked at the winery. It was his parents owned the property, and so we used to, at Imagery we used to get it from right down the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a it's a very tough variety to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Petit Verdot on the estate up at Benziger, and it was in the low spot and never did well. It's it's tough. It doesn't set really yeah. well every it, year, it, it, and it's pretty bad virus it's always virus it's always virus and yeah. um yeah the petit verdot of benziger would turn bright red yeah. around september 12th yeah. you know and people would go oh it's changing it was like no that's virus yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, I wonder if um you know no one gives it the time of day as a winemaker either to no, really have figured no. out how to make it properly probably no. here you know yeah totally it's always in, in the background right. i have a, i have the perfect way to make it yeah as a rosé yeah <laughs> <laughs> You might have something there, right? but it's a it's a good tool as a winemaker. I, I love having it a little bit around. It's I've also quite often used it. Um, so I will, I will drain the petit verdot juice off it and leave the skins in the tank. Sometimes I would have a struggling wine that maybe the vineyard that year was forest and it crashed or something, and I'll I'll actually take the juice from that fermentation back over top of the petit verdot skins to kind of yeah. Beef it up and give it some color and structure that yeah, potentially yeah. weren't there. I've saved wines by using Petit Verdot skins yeah. before. Yeah, nice. yeah, the, the, it's amazing what you can do, um, what little tricks you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's good. All right, next one is Syrah, so and without from, a doubt, your most unique label. Yeah, so I didn't actually design this. I got a uh, artist in London to do it for me. Okay. Um, so why, I, I, I just why? been following an artist online for a long time. I just loved his work. This is kind of very similar to the way I draw. I do when I do a lot of drawing at home. It's kind of a similar style. So I'd been following him for years, and I reached out to him and said, "Hey, would you like to do a wine label for me?" He was like, "Give him a shout yes. out because I started following him after yeah. what's his after Instagram you. I find don't it. remember, but um, he's yeah, he's got unique um, artwork. Um, yeah, so I, I just liked his stuff, and he was like, "I would love to do a label for you." Yeah, um, and I got a great piece of artwork from my house to hang in, hang on the wall, and a wine label out of it. So. I was stoked. And did you have to send him some wine or anything? Yeah, you know, I haven't sent it to him. I feel really bad. <laughs> he, he shot me an email recently. He was like, hey, is that wine coming? <laughs> well, yes, it's coming to a mailbox here in America. Come pick it up. Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, Lloyd uh, yeah. Stratton. Yeah, lots Lloyd of Stratton, yeah. That's lots it. of very interesting imagery on here. Yeah, so I basically just said, hey, th- like these are some of the images I, I want you to put on there and then go nuts with the rest of it. Yeah, at um, Lloyd Stratton. Um, yeah, he does some beautiful artwork. Uh, yeah, very much in line of of what you're doing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty. Cool. And where is the where in Bennett Valley is the Syrah from? Uh, Jim Rose Vineyard. Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. So, been getting it from there. Uh, obviously, 
lot Kier, of people making Kieran Sorsen out of there as well. He was, yeah. He's yeah. a Vivio, I think, behind. Vivio behind on that, but then I think he was getting some gemros for the R five oh, okay. or something. Uh, yeah, he might be. Yeah. Is that what got tainted in the got left the night of the fire? Is Vivio? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Satin yeah. and bins. Sad. Yeah. So, so sad. I almost lost this. This is the cool. This is a cool wine. Fires. I picked it. It was cold soaking in the bins. Hundred percent whole cluster. Um, and I, that I picked it on Saturday. I think the fire started Sunday, Sunday night, night, right? Yeah. So I basically then they shut down Kenwood. You couldn't <laughs> get into Kenwood, obviously. And I was stressing out. I'm like, fully expecting this wine to come back and it be vinegar, vinegar, because it's whole cluster. I don't know for any winemakers listening when you're doing whole cluster fermentation, that's always difficult, and you've got to be on top of your fermentation because it can go turn to vinegar, you know, overnight if you're if you're not careful. Um, the kind of the ethyl acetate, any sort of acetobacter or anything gets into the stems and, and you can be screwed. So I was fully expecting it to be toast when I got there. I got in like four days later. One of the Cundies put a fire brigade jacket on me and they're all part of the local fire brigade in Kenwood and they <laughs> threw me in the truck, truck, said sit still and don't move. Snuck me up to the winery, got me in there and I got in there and the two... Um, Next generation, the two of the, the daughters from Cundy were in my bins, foot treading it, running around, nice. dancing and screaming, I think, to Katy Perry or something was playing in the background. <laughs> I, I liked it, girl, and I liked it. And I was it. just like, oh, my God, I grabbed a thief, tasted the juice, and it was great. So you know, back to work, saved girls. my yeah. butt. Yeah, they saved I, I, my butt. I remember that because I had gotten into Lassiter, and you had sent me a message yeah. like, how did you get in? Right. And the way we got in is that someone came with a fire brigade um, yep. Shirt had us put them uh, put them on and drove us in, and then we actually ended up having to walk out. But yeah, yeah. and then yeah, but I remember yeah. you were you were struggling. I was stressing. I had just crushed a um, hundred tons of Cabernet in the tank there. I oh good lord, yeah, man. and then I had my Syrah and bins there. No. And I was freaking out. Bad timing, dude. Oh man, uh, good timing, yeah. obviously, but oh. and so but. The Cundy family and the head winemaker Zach were basically camping in the tasting yeah. room. They never left. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and they saved all the wines, basically. They, the family were there. I mean, they, no one knew what they were doing. Zach was running around. They had no computer system, so they lost all their lot. They didn't know what the lots were. Wow. All the tank cards that usually hang on the tanks had blown away because the winds were so high. So Zach's like, by memory, writing things down on tanks, on duct tape, and bricks and wow. temperatures. And the family's pumping wines over. Like, how do I do this? What do I do? How does the pump work? And yeah. Zach's running around. It was amazing. Like community right yeah, there. Like yeah, it was totally. that, yeah. like that, you know, a lot of, I talked to a lot of people and they were like, like it pulled at their heartstrings, how much the community pulled together during those fires. And yeah. like, that's the epitome of this wine right yeah. now. That's awesome. like, I wasn't there. Someone else jumped in and did it for me. Right. Amazing. Which is the hardest thing in the world is that you weren't there. Yes. <laughs> and, and granted, it's not everything I wanted it to be. You know, they, they, the extract could have looked done more extraction on it, but it's still great. And it's still, it'll probably be a wine. I'll, I'll never forget making. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, well done. Cundy family. Such mm -hmm. a great story too. Yeah, and and those girls coming to your rescue, man, that was, yeah, I actually should be dropping them a couple of cases. If I haven't done that. Yet. I should do that. Well, get, take care of your artist and then them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Got a lot of wine going out. So Blair, what's going on? What are you excited about that you got coming on for 2019? Or do you have any events or anything going on? You know, I'll be in uh, Healdsburg this weekend at uh, Barn Diva. There's a big rosé party. Okay. The pink party. I'm going to actually take the carbonic curing on there. 
you know, it's not exactly a traditional rosé, but hopefully no, it'll stand work. out from the crowd. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm starting to put a lot more effort into my Guthrie Family Wines brands. You know, I, like we were talking before, I'm so busy with everything else going on. Guthrie's always been my side project and I'm tr- I'm now getting to a point where I feel more confident in my winemaking, my ability to run everything that I'm spending more time on Guthrie. So like really starting to dial it in and, and really focus in on it a lot more. Um, super excited about Picpoul Blanc. I'm just pumped on it. I mean... Wait, and tell us what are you going to do? So, I mean, you're going to do stainless steel, I'm assuming. You're not so going to get all a, weird with it, are you? No. Nah, so it's in... Neutral oak barrels and stainless steel barrels right okay, now. Okay, so, so you I, got I, a little roundness to it. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to, first year making it, never made it before, wanted to kind of see what I like. So yeah. I put some into, into barrel, obviously some into stainless steel barrel. You know, stainless steel barrels are awesome. They're really bright. They're punchy acid on them. The neutral oak is obviously broader. It's got a lot more of that lazy character to it. Um I'm stirring some barrels. I'm doing some batonnage on some. I'm not doing batonnage on one. So I, I'm just figuring that out yeah. and tasting through. I think I like the stainless steel barrels the most, um, but then potentially with that stainless steel barrel, doing a lot of batonnage on it to right. kind of boost up the texture. You know, it's they call it the lip stinger, right? There's I was going to say, anyone that hasn't had pig pool out there, it, it literally translates to lip stinger because of the bracing acidity. Right. Um, and it's grown on limestone, so it has that really bright acid on it, wow. which I love. I'm, yeah. an, I'm an acid junkie, I think. Yeah, me too. Once you drink a lot of wines and a lot of winemakers, but you're probably the same, like you end up getting drawn towards acid yep. and a little bit more bitter flavors and yep. things like that. I want my mouth to water. Yes. Because it makes me want another glass or food. Yeah. And I'm down with either one. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you know that's why. I, I'm, I'm pumped on that. I, yeah. I can't wait to. I'm getting it again this year. I already talked to, to Matt at the vineyard, so it's going to be fun. Cool. Nice. Should, awesome. we, should we try this big monster yeah, over here? Yeah, let's try this thing. The anomaly. All right. So <laughs> a little different than the wines we've already been drinking. So for Stuart Sellers, traditionally, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Cabernet um, kind of brand. Um, so we started in 2016 a new project. We opened a tasting room in Napa a couple of years ago. This is part of opening that tasting room is having the ability to do projects like this. We're doing all six of Andy Bextoffer's heritage vineyards in Napa. So we do Tokalon, Dr. Crane, Los Piedras, Bourne, Missouri Hopper, and George's third. So who's who's paying for this fruit? Company. I mean, the bank right now. (laughs) My God. (laughs) The bank. That's a significant investment in fruit. We've been building the brand up over the last, since 2010, enough to build the tasting room to, to be able to go to the bank and get the loans to build the tasting room and to up production with wow. this. So, um, but those aren't all Cabernet, right? Yes, they're all Cab. So they're all 100% Cabernet, single vineyard. So this is meant to be a super heady Napa Cab, true terroir tasting. So farmed by one farmer, Andy right. Bextoffer, made by winemaker wine and all bottled under the same brand. And, and, and say the vineyards one more time. So Tokalon, Dr. Crane, Los Piedras, Bourne, Missouri Hopper, and George's third. And and the, the only one I don't know where it is is Las Piedras. Las Piedras. So that's just behind Dr. Crane up against the mountain there. Okay. Um, so at the hillsides there, you've got Dr. Crane, uh, which is right by the school. Right. Bourne is on the other side of the school, okay. and Piedras is up at, kind okay. of as you're going into the hillside. Okay. Uh, and it's right next to it. A lot more gravelly. It's um, there's an old riverbed there, sort of alluvial fan. It flings across it. Lost Piedras basically means small pebbles. Right. 
So it's yeah. kind of rocky and stressy. Right. Um, so you could actually go on your website and order a bottle of each same vintage, different vineyard? Yeah, so on the Stuart website. On the Stuart yeah, website. Yeah, you'll get all 2000, uh, 2016. It would be all the big stuffy heritage vineyards there. That's insane. Yeah. I so, mean, and by that, I mean good. Like that's a... Yeah, that's, that's really, a, really good. Now. I can tell you, anyone out there that is, you know, has the if ability... Cab, if you have the ability to do that, yeah, if you're that is one cabs, of the coolest fucking tastings you'll yeah. ever do is to sit there and try them all. Right. Same vintage, different vineyards. Right. Wow. So same it's wine like, maker. It, yeah. Yeah. It's our Stuart Nomad Wines. And we've, you know, we have a, a like a reserve room at the tasting room, yeah. which is called our Nomad Heritage Where room. is your tasting room? Uh, it's in Yontville, downtown Yontville. So at the north end of the Yonkville. All right, Yonkville, I was just right there um, Sunday. Yeah. So you turned off uh, right... So um, we're at the north end, so other end of like Bouchon so to the you, south. Right. We're on the other... Next, yeah. next door to Ponches. Yeah, I was going to say you go next there? to Ponches. Just go yeah. in and turn left and keep going, huh? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So part of it is we want people... And people, when they do a tasting, they can book just these wines, the Nomad series, picked off for tasting. So you, and it's a sit down. It's an hour and a half. And it's an educational tasting. It's a you know they talk about the soil. Why and the don't clients. we uh, go over and do that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, can we do a, can a book podcast? It in. I'll take you there? guys over there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, let's uh, just taste sure. them. It's just the other side of the valley, you know. It's, yeah. Hey, we're there all the time, man. Yeah, you we know, know how to run. We know back roads and, yep. and stuff. But you know, Stuart's kind of. It's also, I think, got a uniqueness to it. It granted, it was started by Caroline and James's father, you know, and he took took a very different look on the wine industry. You know, he's Napa Cab. I drink Napa Cab. Right. Um, but with Caroline and James and I running it, we're, Caroline and I are both 33, and James, I think, is 36 or 37. There's this, this new view on the wine industry, and so we've tried to do that at the tasting room and with the brands. So while that's a big cab, it's not overripe. Right. You know, it's no, just big right. and bold, but it's not jammy. Right. Um, and then at the tasting room, we've laid it out so you're not standing at the bar doing a traditional tasting room and you get the elevator pitch. You sit down. We've got couches. There's an outdoor patio to hang out. Like, we want you to come and sit down for an hour or two hours and drink a glass of wine, a bottle of wine, read a magazine. Like, we're not trying to hustle you in, get your money and hustle you out. Right. And yeah. we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. I mean, Sam, you know, talks about how important it is for them at their tasting house to have people enjoy the glass of wine and... See yeah. how it changes in the bottle, and Brian's a big fan of that. Also, you know? like no one drinks wine standing at a bar at your in your house, like generally, unless it's three in the morning. Especially when it's five deep, and you're poured what an ounce, and then you come. They come back a little while later. What What, what did I have? Right. Where are you guys from? What was yeah. that? What? Uh, <laughs> oh, here's the bill. Can I try that again? <laughs> can I, no. Yeah, we're onto this now. And and it's a lot of people come to Sonoma and Napa from all over the country, right? They might save up for five years to come out here and to do that, you know. And people forget that. Like they might be from Iowa, wherever, and they've been saving up for five years to come to Sonoma Valley or Napa Valley. Like you need to treat them with the utmost respect and say, like, and invite them in and tell them about your wines. Like they might not ever come back again. This might be a once in a lifetime opportunity for them to come out and experience it. Like give them a respect of like showing them what you've got. And we see a lot of that. We really do. People who are coming out here and they're, they're spending a good amount of time and a lot of money. Yes. A lot yeah. of money. I mean, the hotels are not cheap out here. You get flights, the food, everything. You know? No, you're, you're, I mean, Blair, you're completely right. I mean, people come out here, and Brian, you know this because you work in a, ho- a restaurant and a hotel. I mean, people put time into planning this. We take it for granted because we live here, but yeah. 
um, you know, our listeners, they put thought into coming out and we yeah. appreciate it. We yeah. really do. And, and I think you get, you know, hard thing right now is like brand as uh, loyalty from your customer. So if you treat them with respect, you know, bring them in. I go as often as I can. I'm over at Stuart Sellers working in the tasting room and I'm behind the bar. I'm doing tastings because they want to meet the winemaker and talk yep. about it. You know, they don't absolutely, wanna, you know, and, and I think it's the right, it's an honorable thing to do. It's not just bring them in. Hey, here's a, you know, a $50 tasting fee. Here's the wines. Uh, adios. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, one thing we have not talked about today at all is what's going on in the fields. Because there is bud break yeah. out there. There's some stuff coming some out. Some vineyards are crazy. Yeah. Some of them are I, is it, I drove past one of the vineyard out front of uh, Larson down yeah. at the, the corner, and it was like six inches. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what I've seen on some I vineyards. I'm like, like, holy cut, shit, when did that happen? Go cut them off to like. Well, because it was so gray <laughs> and rainy here for like a week, we couldn't yeah. really see what was going on. And right. then as soon as it Boom. cleared, I was like, yeah, as soon as we got that, that sunshine came out, yeah. everything just went. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a good year. I mean, hey, we, we need the water. I, I, you know, I'm not complaining. Um, no, I, I I agree with you, and you know, and it's it's amazing. Like the cover crops haven't even really started to grow yet. Some of them. I mean, there there are there are vineyards that look like they're organically farmed, but they're not just yeah. because. Nobody's been able to go it's in awesome. and spray. They can't spray. So it's so <laughs> so good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. And I've been saying, well, you know, this could be your year to convert to organic. Yeah. Um, but um, I think here now we're going to have a solid week of sunshine yeah. and some temperatures. Yeah, and, I think from now on out um, we're probably going to yeah. start getting Things into the typical growing. California. Yeah. I almost wore shorts today, Bart. Yeah. Uh, I took them off before I got here. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> it's not TV, yeah. Blair. You would have been okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Bart in anything but shorts. But shorts yeah, actually, I know. You know. Remember Eric well, he's Bradley? Got those, that used to be the thing. He's got those cyclist legs. You yeah. know, he can show them off. Yeah, exactly. I know, Bart. Bart, can you just mention briefly while we're talking about it what you're doing, the ride that you're going on? So um, uh, next month, as a matter of fact, today will be day two of uh, next month of the ride. It's an event uh, put on by uh, No Hungry Kid, No Kid Hungry, um, Chef Cycle. So there are over 250 chefs from. Actually, I think it can be considered around the world coming because there's there's a guy down in the Bahamas and there's a couple Canadians and they're all coming to Sonoma County. And we're going to ride 300 miles in three days. Yeah. And wow. it's, um, this is all about um, you know, getting kids that don't get breakfast. Um, these programs are feeding kids in school. Um, they're also educating families how to shop and prepare meals at home. Um, awesome. And they're doing some great work. Uh, they're hoping to raise over $4 million from this one event. Um, and, and, and it's fun getting to know a little bit just right now, socially, some of these riders and, you know, some of them have, uh, they ride every day, they ride a hundred miles a day. And then there's some guys that are, you know, riding 10 miles every, you know, three days a week and they're going to get through this thing. Hmm. Um, but, uh, this, uh, year we're the first day is going, uh, starts everything starts out of Santa Rosa at the Flamingo. Um, this year we're going over to uh, Napa. We're gonna um, go up through uh, over Calistoga Road um, into northern Napa Valley, and then come back through Alexander Valley. Uh, the second day is um, gonna head over towards uh, Sebastopol, Petaluma, Bodega Bay area, and then the third day is just through uh, Dry Creek and Alexander Valley. 
It's um, a big, big ride. Yeah, it, this yeah. is this is a challenge for me. I've I've ridden a hundred miles several times, um, but I've never done it. Um, uh, three days in a row. Oh, so. It's gonna hurt um, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've been put. I've been putting on some miles. I, 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 I joke that I just went over 650 miles this year, um, for the year, but <laughs> yeah. But that's nothing compared to it. So right. it's, it's all so mental. Bad. It's all mental, and 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 it's and it's spread out, and it's well supported. <laughs> and I, you know, I ride by myself. Um, and I think when you ride with a group of people, there's, you know, I know this, it draws you along yeah. and, uh, the conversations. And as one of the writers I heard, I, it was Michael Villaggio said on a podcast I was listening to, um, he was riding and someone said, Oh my God, my legs hurt so bad. And another writer said, yeah, well, when you're done, your legs won't hurt anymore, but hunger hurts all the time. So mm. wow. that's something true. to think about. That's true. So how do we, uh, how do we support that? Uh, you know, you can go to uh, nokidhungry.org. You can go to any of my social media has a um, has a link to it. And um, yeah, if you want to support it, I'd love to have it on, have you on board. So yeah, it's uh, Sandra and I just had uh, Cole Dickinson, the new chef from uh, MacArthur Place, on a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about it. For him, you know, you know how you do your trip where you go to Texas and yeah. you you listen to music with yeah. your friends, and he said for him. That's what this is. This is like his once a year thing to get together with friends that he hasn't seen in a long time and 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 do the ride. So yeah. he's really excited about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a it's a really cool um, project and uh, or event, and um, I'm really excited that they're allowing me to be part of it. So I think there's one other winemaker from Napa Valley I heard, but other than that, I think it's all just uh, restaurant professionals. So um, and and the whole thing is is that. Hopefully next year I'll be able to draw some people in to do it with me because that's how they're growing this is mm -hmm. by people. The first year I think they had 25, then they'd add 110, and now we're up, to, I think it's actually 267. So wow. it should be really fun. So more to come. Congratulations, more to come. man. Yeah. That's, that's really yeah, great. Thanks. So. It'll, it'll be fun. I, I'm, I'm honored to be able to. My family's allowing me to do it. It's, you know, it, it's a big deal. Because, you know, when you go out and ride your bike for a training thing, you can go out for a half an hour or an hour run and get completely worked up. But, you know, for bike riding, you know, it's four hours, you know, if you want to get out a good training run. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so take some time. Yeah. Well, and if you want to donate money to that, um, I know you were trying to hit 7,500 for your donations. Yeah. Yep. Um, but if people can reach out to you on social media if they want to. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to be posting that. more stuff. I've been trying to be kind of, um, as it gets closer and closer, we'll be trying to raise more and more money. More pictures so. of you and your spandex bike shorts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys know, um, yeah, there's not a lot of selfies on my social media. <laughs> well, hey, Blair. Pictures of shadows. Can we get back to this cab? Because we didn't really talk about it. We just kind of poured it and we were thinking about it. But what strikes me is, you know, and just in the last year or two, had a lot of um, cabs from Napa and from um, Bexhoffer Vineyards. Definitely not the oak influence that I'm used to, and not the ripeness of the fruit. This is like it's it's almost like I'm actually tasting the the fruit for the very first time. Yeah. I mean, it's I think that's the quality of the vineyard. It's ninety percent new oak. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't no, know it, would you? Not at all, right? Because the structure is there, the me. brightness, the fruit is there. Um, wow, it's a beautiful wine. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, I just think in. I really, it's the vineyard, and I wasn't a believer until I started making it, and I'm a believer. 
Well, I, I, hey, let's get over and, and do a tasting at your yeah, place. I mean, I think that's really... Well, I, sure. I like... John is turning into a Napa cab slut. <laughs> he is. Hey, thanks. I, I, I See, like look at that, that smile on his face. Like He's that. like, yeah. It's expensive. It's expensive taste. Right. Oh, it's, um, well done, Blair. That's something a, I don't have. A, a well-crafted wine. You should yeah. be very oh, proud of that. I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's a good wine. I think it's still going to age. You know, I think a big problem with Napa cabs is like, they fall to pieces after a couple of years. Uh, well, and that's because the they don't that, have any acid. And this exactly. one and has the ones acid. you wouldn't think. Like I have a bunch of the the, you know, name a Napa cab producer. I've got some of them at home in my fridge, and I'm constantly disappointed when I open them up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck! It's only an O2. It's only an O8. Like right. I thought this would be here for 20 that, years. That's yeah. And that's what uh, the balance I'm trying to strike with that right now. I have to make this drinkable because this is a 16 that people are drinking right now. Yeah. It's also made the crit with the critics are in, in the back of my head when I'm making this. You know, there's Robert Parker and Antonio Galoni and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, like that. But then I also, as a winemaker, need, I want integrity to be able to age. I want this to age. In, in 10 years when someone opens this, I want it to be good. Yeah. So it's like, Finding that balance right now. Um, it's interesting. We just talked to somebody making a Napa cab, a Napa Valley cab, mm-hmm. using crummy corks that were only good for a couple of years because oh, right. she said, well, it's gone. people are going to be opening it yeah. when they get it and yeah. drinking it. That's yeah. it. And it wasn't very open. It took a while to mm-hmm. become um, quaffable. I'll just say that. Well, that's the thing. I don't know what percentage of people are actually storing wines anymore. I mean, I mean, what? It's some crazy, now. isn't it? Like ninety-five percent of wine is within eight hours. Yeah. Within eight hours, or something <laughs> yeah. crazy like that, right? Yeah. I mean, so that that's the difficult thing here. What when you're making a, you know, this is essentially Grand Cru Napa style wine. Like, right. what do I do here? I, I have to have this ageable. This has to be, you know, structurally able to hold up for. 10 but at years the end of the day, why? Is it just for those? Select Maybe few people that want to age it yeah. for that long, right? It's yeah. the age old adage that okay, a big so Napa cab has to be able to age it, a long time. Yes. People it, it, just said it, that. It's different. It's, we could talk about this for hours because it's, <laughs> for it's hours. convoluted. It, it, you know, part of the 100 point system is that it's meant to be ageable, right? right. To get 100 points, it, like the last two points or something, is it being ageable. Uh, you know, some of the, these 100 point these people are getting 100 points that they're not, I've drunk them. Yeah. They're not ageable. I've yeah. checked. I've taken them to the lab and run the chemistry on them. Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here. Yeah. Um, so I think that's ageable. Yeah. Um, well, Blair, what's the best way to, for, for everybody to get in touch with you, see your wines online, et cetera? Yeah, I think um, my Instagram handle, Guthrie Family Wines. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, Guthrie Family Wines on Facebook. My website, if anyone wants to find the wines, is GuthrieFamilyWines.com again. Um any of the Stuart wines, so if, you know the more more Bordeaux-based brand is going to be StuartSellers.com. I know, I know Todd Jolly at Sonoma's Best. Hey Todd, how you doing? He just brought in the Carbonic yeah. um, Carignan. I'm going right? to drop it off after this. Oh, actually. okay, yeah. good. So, um, tell him hi. Yeah, yeah. Todd, Todd was psyched for it. He even sent me a message. He goes, "I know you're going to have Blair on the show." He goes, "Have you tried this yet?" Um, <laughs> and sent me shot cool. me a picture of it. So, awesome. did you guys? Uh, so, what do you like the wines? Do you, oh, love do you have yeah, a favorite? Yeah. This one right here. Um, right so here. I, for me, it's the, the Syrah, the electric Syrah. Yeah. And the carbonic um, Carignan. Yeah. yeah. Those I'm are, digging those are the 16 GSM. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I might have to revisit that one. 
I'll leave them here. Oh, yeah. And the carbonic, just because yeah. I I love those just carbonic fun. wines in them, and, yeah. Yeah. and I think yeah, Carignan I mean, is perfect. Especially when you're in the industry, you're always looking for fun, new, cool wines, yeah. you know. And yeah. this this is my favorite simply because that's where okay. I really like it. Yeah. I like that. I like to live in Bordeaux. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we know John. John does. John loves a good Cabernet, and mm-hmm. um, but you're also a little critical of a Cabernet. So you know, you giving it a. Um, a big uh, thumbs up on thumbs it, up really, and I—it's nothing to be critical about, you know. Yeah, no, it's. You got to pay for it. Yeah, it, the, you, you do. Know. You know, and it, look, I would never submit Guthrie wines for scoring from any of the critics. I just not what that wine's about. But yeah. you know, like Stuart wines, you know, they're big scoring wines, and look, there's wine for everyone. Like we were saying at the start of the episode, you know? you're a lucky man. Look at what you're doing. Well, and I'm lucky I get to do it, right? I get to Absolutely, do it. Absolutely. Most people, man. they're stuck making Pinot and Chardonnay their whole career. <laughs> well, right. So. And very few actually get to crush one lot of Beckstopper fruit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I get to do six once in a lifetime deal, man. And yeah. you're doing it. Hey, you're living the dream, brother. I mean, it's stressful, though. I tell you what, you want to. You're going to look like me in a couple out. years, man. <laughs> you want to get strung out, get this fruit, right? <laughs> hey. Yeah, because the pressure's on, right? Yeah, Not I mean, to fuck it up. You can't screw it up. Yeah. It ha- I, I, and what happens if you do? Oops. Do I they lose, the next lose, year? I lose my job. It's not a long-term contract, is it? Ten years. Wow, okay. Yeah, we're, so com- they- we're committed to making... I mean, you have to be, right? It's going to yeah. take me... Lose your job. You're married to one of the principals. Uh, trust me, my father-in-law would fire me in a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> one quick question about that. Um, is the winemaking... Your winemaking on the Stewart? So or do you get Paul a little Hobbs more traditional? was a consultant on the Stewart wines. He okay. had been from day one. He is no longer a couple of years ago. We got we let go Paul go. We was kind of we need to do this by ourselves. Yeah. Good um, for you. And and we and Stuart hadn't had a real a full time winemaker until I came on board. Right. Um so Paul was really leading the way. Um I had that's how I got to the States was I interned for Paul Hobbs. Okay. Well, you um, learned from the best, one yeah, of the best, so really. Like, that's how I got here and that's how I met Caroline because Paul was making the Stuart wines. And okay. And when I immigrated here, I worked for him briefly again and then Cundy and then I came on as the winemaker for Stuart. Okay. Um, and so I'd already learned everything from right. working with Thank him. Thank God for yeah. immigration. Yeah. 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 Seriously, yeah. man. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Still works for white people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I don't know true. where to go with that, but well, you know what? Thank you very much, Blair. It was a real I, pleasure. Your wines are fine. absolutely stunning. Everybody, check these guys out. When well, you got Seriously. something for everybody, yeah, that's what I love. Perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever you're into, you got something. All right, guys. I, I have one more little yes, shout out. Um, yeah. On May second, um, at uh, Sonoma's Best, um, Todd has asked me to do a Dane Cellars uh, takeover oh, for cool. his Thursday night tasting. So. Um, I said that he should do that every Thursday, so yeah. maybe we'll roll Blair <laughs> Dude, right into it. I was in there it. the other day, Friday night. It was packed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know Wednesday night there's been like just some cons- customers that come in and they bring bottles and they wrap them up and they're doing like Wednesday night blind mm-hmm. tastings um, that are customer based. It's become the epicenter of it local wine drinkers. It has. Very and cool. the Thursday night tastings are great. So shout out to Todd and. Um, yep. And at any rate, so um, hopefully we'll see some of you then on May 2nd. Cool. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for, again for listening. Hey, for uh, Bart Hansen. Um, John Myers sitting with Brian Casey. I know. And, and I, just, I just, of course. I just want to say if anyone wants to come to the area and you want to do a tour, we do some Psalm Guided Wine Tours. Just go to WineZulu, Z O O L O O dot com. Love to take you to some cool spots and see some. Um, 
some really good wine. And thanks to Blair Guthrie from Guthrie Family yeah. Wines. Yeah. Thanks, Blair. Great And wines. thanks to everybody who listens. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Peace and love. Peace. We're out. Peace.